0: Coming up, Lab and I break down Sam Burns' breakout victory in Tampa and dig into when an invitation isn't an invitation. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Square Championship winner Sam Burns plays the Callaway Chrome Soft X golf ball. He says it's, quote, so fast and gives him all the shots he needs. This is back-to-back wins on the PGA Tour for the Chrome Soft family after Mark Leishman won at the Zurich Classic with a Chrome Soft XLS. This shows these balls aren't just better, they're better for everyone. Learn more about the Chrome Soft family at CallawayGolf.com. Also, while you're there, check out Sam Burns' episode on The Jump, a Callaway original, which profiles the young rising star. Speaking of the young rising star, let's get to young Sam. Two things came to mind. I was a little late to the show on Sunday afternoon because I had a lot of things going on in my household, and I was grilling, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast, because we have to do. We can't miss what Lab was smoking two weeks in a row. But my first question is, when I tuned in, I assumed it was going to be – I tuned in late on the back nine. I assumed it was going to be a shootout between Keegan Bradley and Sam Burns, and it was not. So I I immediately went to the question. I was going to text you, and I didn't.
1: But did Sam win this, or did Keegan lose it? Uh, Sam most certainly won it, uh, shooting 68 on a day when, when the golf course is playing as difficult as it had all week, the wind was starting to, to get fresh, and, and you got to keep in mind this is a player who's never won on the PGA Tour before, and so I thought the way that he uh, handled himself, he he looked like he'd been there dozens of times, and we can kind of get into um, how he's been trending in this direction uh, over the past season or so. But I mean, Keegan hit just an absolutely terrible shot. It was it was a it was a poor time to do that on the on the par three uh, with water shore. He just kind of came out of it, flared it right, and ended up making, making a double. He made a, another bogey over the last couple holes, and he actually did well just to finish solo second, which, yeah, that's a, a bummer finish for, for Keegan Bradley, who, who hasn't won since 2018, um, and he's certainly going to rue the, the, the poor tee shot that he hit on 13. Uh, but all in all, this, this was all about Sam Burns. This was a player who has been number one in the world as a junior player. He was the uh, top college player in the country, uh, when he played for LSU in 2017, winning the Jack Nicholas Award. And so this is kind of the natural progression. This is a player who's looked like a PJ Tour player for the past decade, and now he's he's playing like one and he has a, a PJ Tour trophy to, to show for it. Does it feel like at 24 and you start putting him into categories with some of the other
0: 24-year-olds who are out on tour right now? And you follow this much better than I do because you pick him up through college. Did he have a higher ceiling than maybe some of the other twenty-four year olds that we were referred to, or maybe he was a little overlooked?
1: Um, I think he was kind of right in the middle. Um, I, I I kind of go back to to Jordan Spieth, kind of started this 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 wave or this this revolution of of twenty-something stars when he kind of burst on the scene in the the um, spring of twenty thirteen uh, as a as a nineteen-year-old. And so, actually, for the for the money's column that I, that I did today, I I listed like who are the top men's players under the age of 25, because I thought surely Sam Burns, um, who could have won in Houston, he could have won at Riviera. Uh, now he wins uh, against a good field on a on a good golf course like Innisbrook. I said surely he has to crack the top five of great players under the age of 25, right? Except I'm not even sure he cracks the top 10. No, uh, come still, on. Still under the age of 25 are Colin Morikawa, who I would put number one on that list. Sure. Victor, Victor Hovland. Joaquin Neiman is in his fourth season on the PJ tour. He's only 22 years old. <laughs> so Joaquin Neiman, a, a winner on the PJ tour. I think I would put him third on that list. And then you've got Sung J.M. You've got Will Zalatoris, um, who nearly won the Masters. And then you're still, you're still getting into guys like Scotty Scheffler and, and Matthew Wolf and Robert McIntyre, who's been very good. Uh, left-hander on the European tour. And even further down the list, you can start to look at guys like Garrick Higo, who's who's won uh, on the European tour just as recently as two weeks ago. Takumi Kanaya um, has been mopping up uh, in Japan. He's just 22 years old. Like, it is deep under the age of 25. It, and Sam Burns is, is a very good player. Keegan Bradley predicted this is a kid who's going to win a lot of golf tournaments. But there's a lot of kids his age who are he's Sam Burns is 24. There's a lot of kids his age who are already more accomplished and probably still have higher ceilings than, than Sam Burns. I would be curious to see what you feel like the weakness is because it doesn't seem like
0: if laugh last week in Tampa was any indication putting's not the issue. I mean, it was nine and a half strokes, I believe gained on the field, which is second only to that unbelievable performance that Luke Donald did a few years ago. So it doesn't seem like putting's the issue. And I've seen,
1: got plenty of power off the tee. So where are you seeing the weakness? I'm not sure it's a, it's a weakness. I'm not sure he, that he has the, the, the top level game. Um, if you, if you look at statistically, nothing really stands out when you see him play golf, he, he clearly has one speed um, and, and one speed only, and that's hitting it very, very hard. Um, but I mean, he's, he's, he's above average in basically everything except his short game. I mean, he's, he's above average in distance. I think he averages like 307 yards off the tee, which is, you know, top, top tier of, of the PJ Tour. I'd say probably top 20, top 30. Um, he's a good iron player. As, as you mentioned, his, his putting is actually pretty underrated. And so I just pulled it up right here. So he's, he ranks 25th on the PJ Tour at strokes gain total. So that's you know, taking in mind all of the various statistics that you can measure a player against uh, against his peers. That's pretty good. That's that's twenty fifth for for a guy yeah. who's who's seeing these golf courses now for the for the first or second or, or in some cases uh, the third time. Look, I, I think he's I think he's a very good player, and I think he's going to win somewhere probably between five and ten PGA Tour events in his career. But if you're asking me, is is he going to be a producer uh, like Colin Morikawa has been a producer, or Victor Hovland has produced, um, or? And Joaquin, you're gonna put you're gonna
0: put Joaquin, well, Joaquin ahead of him.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes, I, hmm. I would I would say I would say no. I, I I still think he has he has to do some refining in his game. He's still I think to me very raw, and he needs to still develop kind of some of the off speed pitches. Like you'll see some of these top players in the world, like Justin Thomas and, and John Rom. He needs to he needs to develop an off speed pitch, but his his fastball is is, clu- is clearly very good.
0: So I fell off my chair right onto the office floor because normally you were all in when it comes to these young players coming out of college. You I'm seem measured. To think I'm measured. No, no, no. You're never measured. You're usually all in. You're you're usually in for these players from the very very get go. You're the one that wanted, wanted uh, Jordan Speed to get uh, an exam, uh, to get picked for the Ryder Cup team in his very first go round. He, he should have. Again, this is you. This is the argument. You 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 go all in. There is no half speed for you. So I'm just curious. In this particular situation, you clearly see something in Sam. That you're not all sold on, despite the fact that, as you just pointed out, 13th in strokes game putting this season on tour, as opposed to 50th in strokes game off the tee. So those are the two things. And we have this conversation about Morikawa, it seems like, on a weekly basis, that if you're going to look at the three things a player needs to do, Morikawa doesn't do two of those things very, very consistently. It seems to me, at least this season, a short season, but a season nonetheless, that Sam is doing those things, at least two of them, more consistently. And yet you have no interest in putting him in the top 10 of 25 and unders.
1: I think I put him at. I think I put him. Well, I gave ten names. Uh, I'd put him ahead of Takumi Kanaya and, and Gary Kigo, uh, most certainly. Now you're backpedaling. I see what you're doing now. now no, you're I would probably. I didn't. I didn't rank. I didn't rank six, six through ten. I just kind of threw out some other names. If you actually read the column, uh, you would have seen this. You you can't put him. You can't put him ahead of Morikawa, Havlan Neiman, Sung Jam, and Will Zalatoris. You just can't. You just can't do it. I, I, I would put him ahead would, of Neiman. I would put him ahead of Neiman. I would would put him ahead of Joaquin Neiman. I'd simply be, I think everyone
0: I talked to, everybody I've talked to that knows anything about the golf swing. will point to that golf swing and say, yeah, that's not going to hold up. Like when we can sit here and make predictions and we can say. Randall Chambly
1: of, said that's one of the best golf swings on the PGA tour. Randall Chambly Brandle loves it.
0: Brandall, every in. other, every other swing coach I've talked to said that swing doesn't hold up for the long term. Thankfully he's in he's in his you know early twenties, so it's fine right now. And we all know how that feels. How's it gonna feel 20 years from now? My guess is not great.
1: All right, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Sam Burns eighth currently. I would put him ahead of those five guys who I just mentioned. Scotty Scheffler, would you put him ahead of Scotty Scheffler? Uh no,
0: no, 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 would. no. Because I know I've seen Would a lot you put him good, ahead of Matthew good stuff
1: Wolf. I didn't even mention uh, Matthew Wolf. Right now, absolutely. Well, right, uh, we, I think I are think you kidding I would, me? I think I would put you in your, in your 30 you. ahead of, yes ahead of Matthew Wolf. I but mean, I think, I think, I think the Valspar was, was very important for Sam Burns. And because we're, we're just going to run through some of these things. I think you covered uh, Riviera this year. Did you? I not? was at
0: Riv. He was leading by, by five strokes after five. two rounds. He was yes. leading by
1: five at the halfway point. Should have uh, won that. Played a, played a poor third round. I think he shot 69 in the final round and ended up losing uh, to Max Homa, who, who, um, who prevailed in a playoff. And so here, here's a couple of stats that I actually found very surprising. Sam Burns has been inside the top five now through 36 holes in five events on the PGA Tour. That's the most of any player. And so if he had been a little bit better closing, you're looking at a guy who, who wouldn't just have his first one at the Valspar. I mean, he could have he closed out a number of those tournaments, whether it was in Napa, uh, Houston, he played a really poor round when that was the first time that he held a 54-hole lead. Uh, Riviera, we just talked about the backtrack there. Like, it, he's he has been in the mix. And you get him on the right golf course, on Bermuda greens that he's grown up uh, putting on, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 probably going to be a threat. But he has the most uh, positions inside the top five through 36 holes. He's tied with Jordan Spieth for the most 54-hole leads in the PGA Tour uh, with three. Uh, So this is, this has already been now a a good season. If he converts those, or if he does now convert those, knowing what he does now about what it takes uh, to win on Sundays, I I think he could potentially turn this into, into a great season, maybe finish inside the top 10, uh, the season long FedEx cup standings. And I know it was a team event, but at, at the zero
0: Classic, when he was paired with Billy Horschel, Billy told me like, look, man, this this kid is carrying me and he carried him. Absolutely. I mean, he was not ashamed of that. Speaking of teams and Sam Burns, are you going to make the argument now for the for the Ryder Cup? Or are you going to wait a couple of weeks? I mean, gonna, you should get. I'm going to keep waiting. You sure? Because usually that's when you get in right early, right before anyone else. You slide in and you're the first to get say this territory is mine. I
1: don't even. I don't even think he's 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 barely made any headway in the standings. I saw Max Homa who who didn't have a good Sunday. Uh, in Tampa. He, he didn't even, he didn't make up any ground. I mean, there's just so many, so many top tier Americans. I would still much rather have a a team that had Scotty Scheffler considering his body of work over, over Sam Burns and his one win right now uh, in
0: Tampa. You clearly are not a fan of Sam. uh, We're going to move on now because I do want to get into these invitations. I just said he's the
1: eighth. He's, he's the eighth best under 25. That's strong company. You is, is out of character this is historic. for historic. This is, this is an unprecedented level of depth and, and greatness in this particular category. That's why I, I, I kind of just threw it out there. and was just spitballing. And then when I actually sat down and came up with the names, I said, my God, has there ever been so many great players at such a young age? And you can talk about where that come from the international game, the college golf system, uh, the corn fairy tour, getting these guys prepared. I mean, It is really, really deep and and really strong. Oh, and you're right. I think you touched on the one. They're just better prepared.
0: When they get to the PGA Tour now, they are not wide-eyed. Like it used to be back not that long ago. I would say 10 years ago when the player showed up on the PGA Tour fresh out of college, there was going to be a learning curve. You were going to have to figure out where to stay. You were going to have to learn the golf courses. You were going to have to figure out how to pay your caddy and find someone that you you clicked with. All of these things, like those things are now – Not even on the radar. It seems like all of these young players show up tour ready. Flipping it forward. I do want to talk about Phil because this fascinates me. He said last week, he told ESPN that he's going to try to qualify for the U.S. Open. He'll be at the Columbus Qualifier, which will be a must-see event. However, if he does not do that, he's not sure if he would take a special invitation to the U.S. Open. Two things on this one. One, if you're the USGA, do you even offer him one now? And two, is he bluffing?
1: Well, it's hard to say if he's bluffing because he was in the exact same situation last year with the U.S. Open returning to Wingfoot, where, of course, he suffered one of the most crushing losses of his career uh, in, in 2006 and said that he didn't want uh, an exemption into the U.S. Open. He wanted to earn in his own way. Well, because of the pandemic, USGA changed some of the qualifying rules and Phil, through his world ranking, uh, which has since, since then plummeted, uh, he, he got in and played predictably, predictably terrible um, at the US Open and, and missed yet another cut. So I, I don't I don't know if he's bluffing because we didn't get into that situation last year to to find out. I'm curious, why would he even decline when rather than just pride, rather than just pride saying I, I don't want it. I don't want a freebie. I don't want a handout. What, what's what's behind this? I don't. I,
0: I don't want to misspeak, and I don't want to overstate this, but I do know. I, I do know a couple of people in that camp around Phil to the point that when I brought this up recently to someone who, who knows, I, I kind of rolled my eyes, thinking, "Of course he would take the invitation. He wants to play it. It's it's the last thing that's missing from the resume. How in the world would he not do that?" And this person guaranteed me, "No, he would not," because there is a distrust. There's a distaste. There's a dislike between Phil Mickelson and and that organization. Now, it's not reciprocal. I'm sure to the USGA, this is just how we do business. But when it comes to Phil and the USGA, you can just trace that history. Go back to Shinnecock. He didn't do that because he had a a lapse in judgment. He did that because he wanted to make a very, very public point when he stopped his ball from moving on the green. And he's done this before throughout the course of his career. I think in this particular case, he is very, very serious. Now, whether he goes through with it, I'm curious because that is – He's at the age now where you're not going to get too many cracks at this. And even though it would be the longest of long shots for him going to Torrey Pines, it is Torrey Pines. It is essentially the course he grew up on, or at least in the city he grew up in. So I am a little bit surprised, but no, I I think there is
1: a legitimate dislike and he is at this point going to stick to his guns. Yeah. I mean, I'm not getting too emotionally invested um, in this storyline. You you call it the longest of long shots. It's, It's borderline impossible. This is a player who hasn't finished uh, inside the top 25 at the U S open. I wrote him off at Pebble
0: beach. I can't write him off again.
1: I've already done it once. I can't do it again. I, I, once you write a guy
0: off once, that's it. You're done.
1: I mean, He hasn't (laughs) finished inside inside the top 25 at the U S open since, since 2013 when he blew his shot at Marion, which was his last great chance uh, to to win the U S open and, and Torrey pines, it it may have been the golf course that he grew up on. There's certainly going to be a nostalgic element to this. Um, He wants to play in front of however limited hometown fans that he does have before he makes the move uh, to Jupiter. But he doesn't particularly like Tory Pines either. I mean, ever since, ever since the redo, he has not played that golf course uh, particularly well. I don't think he has a, a top 10 finish there in the past decade. And so I, th- I think there's, I think there's a lot going on here. I, I certainly think there's to, to your point. Um, and I don't think it's unfair at all that there's certainly a, a dislike, a distrust, um, a, a frosty relationship between Phil and, and the USGA. I think that's that's probably a, a very valid point. I think it's also he doesn't particularly care for for Tory Pines as a golf course, and I'm not sure he he even thinks deep down that he that he has a, a chance to win this golf tournament. You know, if if Phil was was 61st in the world and he just missed out. Um, on qualifying via the world ranking and he didn't want to kind of go through the crapshoot that is 36 hole sectional qualifying. If he had a legitimate chance to win this golf tournament and he was playing well, then I think he would accept it because, Hey, this is, this is a great shot for me to get into the tournament, a golf course. I know well, and and I can, and I can potentially steal this one. I don't think that's the case at all. I think Phil knows he has no chance. The USJ matter certainly doesn't help the golf course, despite, kind of having that nostalgic element, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's enough to carry over. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if we don't see Phil there for Father's Day weekend uh, when, when he's going to turn, what, 52 years old? Yes, correct.
0: And very frosty. That's the way I would put it. Now, the other side of this coin is someone who did get an invitation and accepted it, Ricky Fowler, into the PGA Championship. And I believe, if I just looked that up correctly, he has dropped to 116th in the world. And you, we can see now the argument whether if he should, if PG of America should have, if he deserved it, everything that goes into that, this kind of dovetails off of what we talked about last week about the player impact program, about this. This is sort of a direct result of that. Is he getting this invitation because he's done anything competitively deserve it? No, absolutely not. All you have to do is look at his record. It doesn't take, it's a very, very simple Google search. There, He has done nothing in the last, let's call it 12 months to deserve this. This is all about. Getting eyeballs, so in that context, tournaments give sponsor exemptions all the time to players who don't necessarily probably deserve it. But tournament directors feel like they move the needle. In this particular case, the tournament directors, the PG of America, they feel like he moves the needle. I don't have a problem with it.
1: I don't have a problem with it either, and i I don't I don't think it's a crazy stretch. I, I mean, I I know Ricky has has really struggled. Uh, in 2021, as he's working through these swing changes with with Coach John Tillery, but I mean, he was he was 53rd in the world at the end of 2020, and so it, let's let's just say the pandemic doesn't happen, and he's able to kind of play his way uh, out of this rut. You know, if if the tour isn't shut down for three and a half months, you're, you're looking at a whole different scenario, and and maybe he would have been inside the top 100 in the world ranking. And then he would have gotten into the PJ Championship by virtue of his spot in the 2018 U.S. Ryder Cup team, which is one of the qualifications. And so I think you can make the argument that way. And, and the fact of the matter is, look, I know he's not in the best of form right now, but he's still finished inside the top 20, I think four times over the past calendar year. I mean, I I like him getting a freebie more than, than some also ran who's who has absolutely zero shot to win the golf tournament like would it would it be a a total shock if if ricky was in contention at kiawa uh yeah i would be shocked absolutely yeah totally would would you would be shocked you'd be shocked i'd be shocked because he has done nothing
0: no, no, no. He has done nothing. I mean, for him to turn it around in one week on a very, very demanding golf course against arguably the best field in golf. He just finished was to The yes. top
1: twenty in his last tournament at the at the Texas Open. All most, on one of the most difficult golf courses on the regular PGA Tour rota. So, like, it would Are you not comparing be a TPC shocker. San Antonio to Kiwa. It would not be a shocker to see him in contention to win. Yeah because that's the strongest major championship field of the year to win. Yeah. It, it would be a shocker to be in contention to be inside the the top 10 inside the top 20, which is basically all you want out of your sponsor exemption. Uh, no, I don't think that's totally unrealistic. And and I like it more than, than some of these other guys that they, they could have given a free pass to who basically just want to have a victory lap. Uh, again, I don't have a problem with it. I, I would be shocked.
0: If you and I are sitting around Sunday morning, trying to figure out how we're going to ride a Ricky Fowler gamer, then, we can circle back around on this, but I'm that's going to be a, pretty that's sure.
1: A, that's a problem I would like to have. No, 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 that's that's one I'd like to have as well. But I just don't rather, see that rather happening. Than, rather than trying to track down and and translate uh, Japanese media members' uh, insights over over a Hideki route, I, I miss Hideki already. I, I want him to come back. I want him to. to hold we're going to see. We're going to see him at the Nelson. He was just presented with uh with an award from the Prime Minister of of Japan. He has fulfilled his his 14 day. Uh, quarantine. Can you imagine that, Rex? Like, can you imagine that? So you're you you just win the Masters. It is it is the highlight of your entire life. This is something you've worked for forever, and then you get stuck schlepping through the Atlanta airport. I think he connected through what Detroit, and then of it's Delta fly, Then he flies into to Tokyo. He has to sit in his hotel room with no friends and family for fourteen days, two full weeks. But you have the green jacket. I, I mean, if I'm going to get you locked in a hotel but you can't, room, you can't do anything with it. You can't show it off. You can't. You don't take think he was wearing to, it to dinner.
0: Oh, he was wearing it around that hotel room. He was he was shaking imaginary hands, taking imaginary pictures.
1: Absolutely. I can see that happening. Sure. It's just it's just mind boggling. Yes. Can you, can you imagine that scenario? It's crazy.
0: No, it is a crazy scenario, and I do want to touch. Uh, both of us had eventful weeks. Uh, I uh, will get to mine soon. You, it, I don't want to give too much away here, but you are moving into a new house, and so we're, we're going to miss the flower room. So, whenever you're going to move, I feel like you have to do one more podcast from the flower room just so we could say goodbye properly. Uh,
1: I mean, the flower room will be will be moving. It's it, it won't be it won't be the exact same room, uh, but I can show you that that some of the floral uh, prints, uh, some of the lily. Uh, Lily Pulitzer um, uh, furniture will be will be coming with us. So so though though the flower room will be changed, I I, I prefer to think of it as as flower room 2.0. And it'd actually be more fitting. We're actually, we're, we're moving up to Ponte Vedra Beach. My wife uh, just got a new job in Jacksonville, um, so now I can I can I can retire early. Um, she's going to be so we're, we're going to be up in Ponte Vedra Beach. We're going to be 15 minutes from the beach. Like that that vibe would actually work. As opposed to being in landlocked orlando you know a house that were 45 minutes from the beach it's 95 degrees here today uh oppressively humid it's just i just don't i just don't like the vibe of the of 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 that room in this house and so i don't actually, like the internet connection gonna I don't like the Wi-Fi connection. Let's just hope no, the Wi-Fi terrible. connection in the terrible. new flower
0: rooms a little bit better, just so when we circle back. Come on,
1: around. fiber optic. Come come on through in Ponte Vedra Beach. Now, I liked. I love the
0: way you point out how close you are to the beach, and you never mentioned that you're you're even closer to the PGA Tour headquarters. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be having lunch there. You don't know that. Sure, you I can mean, pop I have, in. I have I have plenty of friends who work for the PGA Tour. You um, do. I, I look forward to seeing their oh. new headquarters. Hello, Tito. Um, but no, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a good move for us. The, the podcasts these these next couple of weeks would certainly be interesting um, because I'll be certainly torn in a couple of different directions. I think I I feel like we're we're glossing over the fact of your week because although I've although I'm gonna be moving, uh, you had a you had what a, a fortnight in San Diego. Are you are you still are you still in, are you still in San Diego or is that just a little California dreaming for three or four days? No, I was I was I was there
0: forty-eight hours, man. Fortnite. Absolutely not. I was there forty-eight hours. I flew from you New spent Orleans. 50,
1: you spent fifteen hundred dollars of our precious company's budget for 48 hours.
0: I don't know how you saw that's what it cost. That that might have been how much it cost. I know I didn't even look if I'm being quite honest. I don't you know more about it than I do, apparently. But I flew from New Orleans after covering the Zurich Classic to San Francisco. I made it to my tea time at the Olympic club for U S women's open media day late. So I only got 12 holes in there, but I did get a 12 burger. Holes.
1: Dog. That's probably something what the USJ wants play, play quicker. Uh,
0: new, it was, it was good. Hybrid,
1: it's a new hybrid model. And I
0: did get the burger dog, which is as
1: good as advertised. Wow, it was
0: absolutely it, defi- it was divine. And I said last week in the podcast that I wasn't necessarily looking forward to the second round, which was San Diego. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. It was Tori Pond. So Monday night I flew down to San Diego and then we played Tuesday morning. And it Wait, was the how exact time.
1: How, how did you play at Olympic?
0: Uh, 12 holes. It, it it was a long walk. We walked. Uh, again, I was fresh off a very, very long flight after a very, very long week in New Orleans. So it it, it was difficult. It was not as enjoyable as I thought it was. I I'll how
1: many, leave it at that. How, many how many pars? How many pars in twelve holes? I think I made like one, maybe. It it oh was hard. My.
0: I had I drove the ball great. I had 150 yards into every hole. And between the wind and the uphill, I was told that yeah, it's 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 190 effectively. So I had a lot of 190 approach shots. You drove the ball great? Yeah, really good. Excellent. Wow. Which leads to the next conversation, which is about US Open Media Day. And I do, you know, I did take the time to talk to officials and get an idea of what they're thinking for the actual tournament course for the US Open if you have any interest in that. However, the the round itself. Was even better because I got to play with Mike Wan, who's the LPGA commissioner and will become the chief executive of the USGA after the US Open and Mike Davis retires. And I didn't know him, so it was a great opportunity to get to know him. And I will say this, and obviously that was five hours of of very well spent time for me. And I don't want to give away any confidences, but I get the feeling that that organization is going to change dramatically under his watch.
1: Mike Wan is absolutely an electric personality his enthusiasm for for life his job the game of golf is absolutely infectious um i'm insanely jealous that you were able to spend uh five hours with him what did he make of your 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 hacking golf game and and what kind of player was he uh no
0: he was kind i i apologized in advance and he apologized a little bit as well and it turns out that he lives very very close to where i live in Orlando, which was surprising, I did not know he lived in the Lake Mary neighborhood, and, and we kind of run in the same circles. Our kids kind of run in the same circles, which was sort of weird. But you and you and Mike
1: me, Juan run in the same circles.
0: Oh well, uh, yeah, as far as you know, places we we go to dinner and stuff like that. Clearly, he has a a, a better Rolodex than I do, and you know his corporate card is very very. He's not. Let's he's say, not worried about the fifteen hundred dollar flight. No, apparently either am I, because I had no idea that's how much it cost. But but I'll say this, and this is why I, I wanted just to point out that the organization is, is I'm not going to say change, but it certainly will be altered in some way. That when I was asking Mike about how is the search going for a new LPGA commissioner, he was kind of talking me through who he thought it might be and why. And I said, what's the most important thing of being a commissioner of a, of a sports league of the LPGA? whatever the case may be. And he thought about it for a minute and he goes, look, you have to be able to sell. Like I have to be able to make a phone call to a corporate sponsor and figure out how to, how to close the deal. I mean, you're a salesman pretty much. And you're trying to sell a product that obviously he believes in that he's very passionate about. But the second thing, and he said, this is the most important. He goes, you have to have humility. He goes, cause I will have to, you have to stand on a range and take all of the the bad thoughts that a player has about what is going right and wrong with the tour. And you have to be willing to stand in the corporate office and take all of the bad shots that you're going to get from an executive. And this just keeps going down the line. And he goes, you have to realize that, look, I'm the one that's going to take these arrows. Like, this is part of the job and you just have to live with it. And I thought that was fascinating to me.
1: Uh, who did he, who did he think would be in line for the commissionership?
0: uh didn't didn't actually say I didn't even know we, we didn't talk specifics honestly and I wouldn't give, give away anything they told me in secret but uh I was surprised to read stories today and this isn't from him that Susie Whaley from the PGA of America yeah. did put her name in the ring and then withdrew it so I was a little curious about that I don't know enough about the LPGA to, to understand why but I did
1: find that curious uh how did how did Torrey Pines played uh let's see a month and a half out from when they're going to be hosting the world's best it was much more enjoyable. When
0: I played the South Course before, I think I said it on the podcast last week that I was looking forward to the Olympic Club walking and South a, Course and and walking off the fourth hole and potentially going to play in the North. No, I was just going to walk in the ocean. Was kind of the deal. I'm just going to let myself fall down the, the cliff to the, the Black's Beach and walk in the ocean. Yeah, you're going to go. You're going to go hang gliding. Mike Wan wanted. We talked about it all day long. He wants to go hang gliding. So that gives a, you an idea. What a menace. What a menace. What a menace. Uh the rough wasn't up. So it wasn't US Open Rough. And the Greens were very, very firm. Um, I I love the way the golf course played, though. I mean, certainly you, you look at some of the holes and you know where the demanding holes are and where the holes where you can score a little bit. But even for us, for me to hack in the group, ours and even a birdie on the par 514, which I was very proud of. Oh
1: my. That's a that's a good that's a good birdie. I believe that's the hole that kind of triggered uh tiger's uh comeback on saturday of the yes. 08 us open if i'm correct i believe he hold out for eagle from over the back is that right uh that's correct I've been or Indeed. chipping from short i think he, yeah i think he hold. it chipped in
0: from right of the green it was kind of right and over a bunker you know it was one of those you know one of those magical tiger shots and it was a it was a total stunt and you know i don't do this stuff but they they recreated tiger's putt on the 72nd hole of the two oh, i saw the video yes yes and we were told now just to be clear about this we were told to you know to have a reaction either one way or the other if you make the putt you miss the putt have a reaction because they were filming everyone and if you watch mike went before me and so i got a good read and he's a good caddy and so that was a one shot one take deal i made the putt i don't know what the big deal is a little right to left just get it moving down the hill like (laughs) i really like come on we're really going to keep celebrating this thing like all right he made a putt but uh, I was very impressed with my celebration, if I have to say so. And I it didn't was notice awesome. it.
1: It was spot on, and so was and so was Wands. It was like it was perfect. He's in the background. I didn't even realize that of uh, the video. He's
0: celebrating oh, more than I was.
1: So it's so good. You guys got it. I think you. I think you retweeted it. You got it. You guys got to find that um, on on Twitter. And spe- speaking of witchrex there was a bit of a a kerfuffle on social media, and you would have some keen insight in this since you actually attended the event. But uh, as, as usual, there was. There's 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 a, a, a war raging between old media and uh, new media, and there was a, a particular golf blogger um, who pointed out the surplus of social media influencers uh, who descended upon Tory Pines for for no sole purpose other than apparently uh, posting their their musings on on social media, while you know dogged reporters like yourself were we're talking to John Bowdenhammer and, and chatting up Mike Wan and, and trying to, to do your job professionally um, and, and gather some, some insights leading into the U S open. What was the, what was the vibe there? Did you, did you see more influencers than, than usual? I, I know, I know you are an influencer, you're an influencer yourself, but did you see anything amiss?
0: I, I love the way you pose this, old media versus new media, because I'm squarely in old media, so I don't know oh, where, ancient you, where you think I'm. dying yes, ancient media. Yes, dead media is where I'm at. Uh, I did. And what was interesting is they were in San Francisco. They, a lot of the the social media influencers, influencers were were in San Francisco for the Women's Open Media Day, and we were kind of all on the same flight from there down to San Diego on Monday night. And I was taken how many there were? Like, I, I, was, I was really surprised. I don't know many of these people. I, I kind of just know them by reputation and the work they do. And I would counter by saying that, no, there, there weren't a lot of traditional print journalists there. I think it was myself and, and maybe a handful of others. But you and I can attest that there aren't a lot of us ink stained anyway, wretches yes. around anyway, let alone ones that are going to make a trip across the country to play in a U.S. Open Media Day. So I, I didn't find it odd. And I didn't find it odd that, no, I wouldn't have expected the social influencers to be standing in there next to myself and Ron Green Jr. as we interviewed John Bodenhammer about what to expect in June, because that's not what—that's not their thing, right? I mean, I would argue that they're there to, to be more social media savvy than I was, and they, I'm sure they were.
1: Just to put a fine point out, did it bother you at all that there were so many social media influencers there? Can you just put this on the record once and for all? no.
0: No, I mean, why? What again? This goes back to what I just said about the PG of America and the Ricky Fowler invitation. Look, it's it's these it's you run a tournament. It's your job to try to publicize and get people interested in that tournament any way you can. And apparently, the folks at the USGA feel like that that's the way to do it. I did. I wasn't surprised by it, nor was I taken by the idea that there was there was too many of them. I, like I don't know what that number would represent to be a proper number of social media influencers. But no,
1: I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I couldn't agree with you more. I am not bothered by this at all. There is room at the table for all of us, traditional journalists, uh, social media influencers, uh, the folks like fried egg and no laying up and Barstool. like they all are in their own lane and it's great. And if it can help uh, promote coverage of the tournament or, or lead, you know, the road all the way back to, to reading us on GolfChannel.com or seeing us, on uh, live from or wherever else we're going to appear i think that's a good thing all this is a good thing it just it it bothers me when i see uh these types of of critiques there's no there's no need rex for an old media verse new media war and that's probably because i'm uh rapidly approaching middle-aged uh golf media mm-hmm. i would go further uh, i will say the
0: barstool guys they had uh, by my count they had six folks there and i I can't say I was bothered by it. I was impressed by it. Like if you've got a staff and you can send six people to a media day, man,
1: you got yourself a staff. Like, I, I, I don't work for that staff. Like Barstool's not for everybody. Um, we don't need to get into their history and reputation. All of my experiences personally um, with, with Riggs and the gang have, have been really good. They've been supportive of our work. And so there's, there is room at the table for all of us. Not, you're not going to like all of them. You're not going to appreciate what they do, but, I like anybody who puts in the work and, and, and wants to grow coverage of the game. I think yeah. just, just there's nothing wrong with it. All right, we're going to get out of here with you. Did send me some pictures of you smoking some sort of meat. What, what, what was on the menu on Sunday? So uh, ironically enough, I was doing chicken wings last night when we got the call that, that we did get the house. Uh, I overcooked them slightly because I was distracted um, and forgot they were on. Them. That's why I didn't show you a finished product. Um, but I did, so, so I, I did, I did, I did do wings on the, on the gateway drum, uh, which I absolutely love. Just picked up a flat iron steak. We're going to, we're going to grill that off this week. Got some chicken thighs, uh, boneless, skinless, of course, because that's the only way to do chicken thighs. Uh, and I got some salmon, um, that I'm looking forward to smoking on a Cedar plank. So it's going to be, it's going to be a big week, Rex. I do have a, a NCAA selection show, uh, the men's regionals on, on wednesday other than that i'm just i'm going headlong headlong in the grill game this week uh and when while we're
0: at it we could touch on this offline if that uh, makes you more comfortable but whatever you don't need of those seven or eight
1: grills you've got laying around your backyard no, because okay. there is there is a patio they the 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 homeowner uh they, they built this house in 2018 it's like they they knew i was coming they built this like outdoor courtyard and they have i guess you would call it like a gazebo type structure it's like it was made to house my five grills Like it's exactly where it would go and you could still have the covered lanai where you would have, you know, couches and and TVs and that type of thing. And then I can still have a yard. It's like they knew I was coming. So I can put the Traeger over here, the gateway drum over here, the PK over here, the big green over here. I can do a little uh, Smokey Joe over here. I can bring back the Weber Smokey Mountain if I want to get to that game. I mean, the possibilities are endless.
0: Endless. I know. Look at you. I can't be more happy for you and I will miss the flower room. That'll do it for this edition of the golf central podcast presented by Callaway golf. Talk to you next week.